Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person who is capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of the I'm your host, DM Chris. And I'm DM Mitch. And today, we have a special guest who we have so gratefully and nicely nicknamed the Magic Mark. <laughs> yeah, giving Magic him a title. He came, Welcome he came back, on, Magic Mark. Yeah, he came on last time for our... Uh, first episode in our series of bringing the magic of magic to D&D. And he's back again, and so we gave him the nickname Magic Mark. Which he loves. He is stewing. He is stewing over there. Hating it every minute (laughs) of that. Trying very hard not to make it a big deal on the internet, because that always goes well. Uh, You would probably be like, we we take a picture of you and make a meme out of you. Hashtag Magic Mark. Mark. Hashtag Magic Mark, please do. I hope we get like 1,200 hashtags. (laughs) Magic Mark. I'll be glad to comment your names and addresses on those. <laughs> <laughs> and you even threatened to what? Give us a one-star review on iTunes. <laughs> like and you were going to start doing a whole bunch of stuff just spamming the Twitter yeah. because you hated every minute of us yeah. calling you Magic Mark. I'll favorite everything and not retweet a single thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alright, anyways, we're going to get into some shout-outs to start yep. out today. So, Mitch, you want to you wanna start us out? Yeah, our first shout-out comes from Pop Culture Cube. Uh, it's entitled Entertaining and Informative. Uh, and it says, as a DM, I'm always looking for more ideas to amp up my games, and this podcast is it. Unique and timely topics, creative episode segments, and witty repertoire are all highlights. Can't recommend this enough. We really appreciate all of those words of encouragement. Thank you so much, Pop Culture Cube. Yeah, our next one comes from Cbax44. And I've had some interaction with you, Seabax, and you've been awesome. Can't wait to hear some more. All uh, I can think of is Seabass. I know. Dumb and dumb dumb and dumb. <laughs> I just watched that movie the other day, and that's what I thought yeah. of. And I was just like, throw some salt over your shit. <laughs> 2.15 in the bathroom or whatever it was. Seabass, 44. Anyways, you're way cooler than that guy. Uh, so your comment says, laid back D&D discussion. These guys are great at having interesting discussions about ideas and issues related to Dungeons & Dragons and role-playing in general. It's a great place to hear some gaming stories and pick up some new ideas for your home game. It was awesome hearing some of your stories as well, Seabax, and I look forward to hearing your next one that you're going to send to us shortly. So, Mitch, you want to explain what we're talking about today? Uh, on the this podcast? will be our second episode of Bringing the Magic of Magic into D&D, and we're really excited. Uh, we have something different than last time planned for today. Magic Mark came up with this great idea. I love that. He, he <laughs> loves it, too. Uh, came up with this great idea for an episode. We're going to be talking about using a different alignment system. Everybody is pretty familiar, hopefully, with the nine alignment system. That's It's pretty common. There's other alignment systems out there. Well, we're going to be looking at a magic-inspired alignment system based on colors. So once we get to the meat, we're going to talk about that uh, in great depth. We're going to move right now. Let's get on to some story time. Story time. The time during the episode where we talk about what happened last week during our campaigns, our favorite moments, what we learned about ourselves, and what we learned about each other. Please join us now as we enjoy Storytelling. Well, since we're talking about alignment this episode, we decided to, uh, we're not going to be sharing stories from our previous weeks. We're going to be talking about stories. We decided on stories that, in which a character, whether it's one that you played or another character that you came in contact with in a D&D campaign, where they really reflected their alignment. Something that they did that really reflected 
their alignment. So Chris, uh, you have one to start us off with. Yeah, it, uh, it kind of deals with one of your previous campaigns mm-hmm. that we did, the Sons of Bastion. And a little bit of background for those of you that haven't listened to the podcast before, the Sons of Bastion, we were essentially what happens is you are an orphan that is brought into orphanage essentially by this guy named Bastion. And we went through a whole bunch of adventures and we got back one time. And the enemy that we were facing ended up coming to our home floating planet that we or floating island that we lived on and basically essentially made it crash into the earth but we were left orphans basically again without our our (laughs) our master and there was bastion was tentatively as what you thought killed yeah yeah. and And so were all your other masters yeah yeah all our masters were you guys stuck wherever you didn't even know where you were yeah we kind of became the masters and so i was one of my characters was a druid one of my characters went off and started hunting food and this one stayed behind Mm -hmm. and hanging out with a bunch of the druids there was a little druid group of kids that didn't have a master anymore so i was like you know i'll have them kind of come along with me and this is kind of a story of one of the kids like dramatically changing alignment <laughs> extremely quickly and so i was you know i was trying i was thinking i was like how could i help these kids out and i was like i could use warp wood and maybe make some beds for these kids to use and this one kid jeffrey jeffy or jeffrey Jeff- or something jeffrey, like that think, yeah uh, he came up and I don't know how you did it, but you just like, I think you said something to the effect of, can I help you or can you teach me how to do that spell? And he's like a little kid. He's not going to be able to do it. I think it's like a level two or three spell. (laughs) There's no way he's going to be able to do it. You're basically trying to rush the teaching. Right, (laughs) right. All right, like, uh, let's skip, uh, let's, you know, let's skip this level and just jump right into it. Yeah, just jump right into it. And... I don't think there's actually any spell failure there's, for yeah. the divine spell. There's that not, we used. but we decided that this was a situation that one we wanted to try out spell failure right, a little bit, right. and we decided this was the perfect time when you're yeah. trying to teach a kid who wouldn't know how to cast a spell. A perfect time. Yeah. To use that. So we we rolled a percentile die for him, and he like utterly failed to see if he could if he could learn the spell. And you said like it fails, and like this powder like yeah. explodes in his face <laughs> yeah, i forgot about the powder yeah and you you just kind of like he's like and he looks dazed and then you like rolled your dice for what would happen and you look up and you just got like this goofy smile on your face <laughs> and you're just like he rips off all his clothes and he yells i am a god <laughs> and then he, he's like try, i forget did he try to like attack people or did he just try to like run out in the woods or something like that i think he tried to run away and you guys were trying well to we chase tied him. him up for a while like yeah. he used like uh some sort of spell and well was... you didn't get the time right away because i remember for whatever reason you angered him he basically thought you'd bow down to him because he was a god oh, that's right yeah but you guys didn't and so he tried again to use higher level spells than he could <laughs> And so we rolled more spells failures, and <laughs> he just, just chaos ensued. He went from like this nice little kid, to, like this just crazed maniac who's like, "I, I'm a freaking god. You better bow down to me." <laughs> and I think we like tried to use like some sort of like spider web spell or something like that that wore off. And you were just like, "What was funny is he ran out into the woods, and we had no idea where he went." Oh yeah, he just got away. And then we were, I was just like, "I just let him go. Like yeah, it's got to wear off do, sometime." Yeah. And then. uh he said, like, two days later, he comes just, like, he's naked. He just comes waltzing back. And covering like, himself Covering with himself. He's just like, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> it was like, that was, that was one of my favorite. It was, like, this totally, like, drastic change of scenery. And, like, we thought all of our masters were dead. And it was, like, this comic relief that needed to happen by somebody changing alignment. And it just happened to be a little kid. I'm glad that Jeffrey didn't die in that. I was I was Because I didn't know exactly what was going to happen yeah. to Jeffrey. Well, there's a lot of crap out of those woods, too, yeah. as we learned later. That he could have died from, like, yep. anything. So, I don't know who wants to go next. Mitch, you wanna, Mark, why don't Mark, you tell you us your next? story? All right, well, mine is more about the quintessence of an alignment. Specifically... 
chaotic evil because we had a an antagonist in one story. Mm-hmm. His name was Dama Dwinadrin. He'd probably come up a time or two at this point. So in this story, uh, we our group had a house and uh, it was a mansion in the city that we won for doing like a basically saving. We didn't save the king, but we saved the city, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. But that's not important right now. And but we lived there, and we had like our family—not necessarily family there, but um, I had a little companion. We—I uh, think we've yeah. mentioned Stomp before. Stomp, yeah, but a couple of times. Yeah, tell, yeah. yeah, a little bit yeah. for if you haven't heard the. Uh, so Stomp was was an NPC who was a goblin who was like. Everybody's slavery, favorite goblin. And he was the best. Everybody loves Stump. Mm-hmm. Um, except for Balfour. But that's another story. <laughs> that's a, yeah, another. But anyway, I we had in our manor given Stump the Northeast Tower. Yep. Um, that was kind of like his domain. <laughs> goblin King of Orenthal. Yeah, Stump, Goblin King of Orenthal. And then eventually we somehow I rescued another goblin. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly how. Goblin Town. Yeah. Were they both Goblin Town? Oh, yeah. And so there was Go- Stomp, who was the Goblin King of Orenthal, and then his young companion, who was, like, his chief guard, and he would, like, patrol the walls in armor <laughs> that was too big for him. And he was essentially useless as a guard. He was like a teenage goblin. <laughs> yeah. He was very good at stopping people at the gate and going, like, what are you doing here? Unless that person was somebody who wasn't worth stop or who was supposed to be stopped he stopped all the unnecessary yeah. <laughs> but he was always asleep when someone important had to get through the game. so eventually we our clan our guild was called to go do something and we were coming home and this is when the uh the antagonist decided to attack our home at this point all of our characters this is like 70 to 80 hours into this so we're very invested, both yeah. in our characters and a lot of NPCs. Yep. Especially <laughs> um, in Stomp. Yeah. So then Dama, this bad guy, is on the roof of our house. Well, you not even before you see that, you yeah. see heads of all your servants oh, that you yeah. had spent hours like yeah. picking the right servants. Like, we held interviews for servants, <laughs> and you guys picked them. And you, you fired some, you hired some more, and you had gotten the best servants and you go in, they're like on spikes, like yeah. on your fence, I think. Yeah. And you guys are like, I think you were probably just like, stop. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> I, I literally did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it wasn't even a role playing thing. It was a, it was a mark, meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile, Balfris was just looking for stop to be skewered yeah. with well, a smile on his face. He was a little bit angry about other things. Yeah. <laughs> and so then on the roof of our burning house is this enemy. And he has a sack in his hand, and we can see it moving. We know someone alive, isn't it? And somebody who's small, like a goblin, for example. And what he does is he like takes, he holds it up, and does he pull the? Did he, he pull? Pulled, yeah, he pulled yeah, him he, out. He pulled him out, and but from that distance, we couldn't tell what it was. We knew he had a goblin in his hand, but we didn't know which one. And it was he, nighttime. It was yeah. raining. There was fire. <laughs> yeah, and so and then he takes his knife and just slices the throat of this guy. To the point where he's decapitated. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then just like throws it down at us. and Lands right near your yeah, feet. <laughs> right in front of my feet. Um, and this was probably for me the most evil thing that uh, not only had happened in a campaign, but that a dungeon master had. 
Uh, <laughs> magic you, Mike is there, mad. That or Magic Mark. There was parts in that campaign that, like, we... And I think there were all Dama parts where I was af- literally afraid that you guys were... just Like, yeah. the player-wise, were pissed off. Yeah. And it was... In the end, looking back, it's like, those were magic moments. Like, yeah. those were perfect because they made you guys hate this character. Oh, but, yeah. yeah, you... Like throwing that, I threw him, and I had a smile on my face the whole time because I'm like, I knew that this was gonna get a rise, and you're just like looking at me like, stop, <laughs> like just <laughs> mad. And that and it, it turned out to be what was the other Dax? Guy? Was that his Dax? Name? Yeah, yeah. I know there was an X in it, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking of one of my characters. Yeah, so yeah. Then it, then it's the head of Dax kind of rolls to my feet, and I am just. It's still smoldering yeah. with anger, um, and you don't know where Stomp is either. Even, yeah, even and I had, you know I that, that know wasn't Stomp, Stomp was alive or yeah. dead or whatever. And I guess we'll leave that to a different story time. Uh, where <laughs> Stomp lived. But yeah, that was a perfect example of like yeah. the chaotic the evil chaotic character, chaotic. and then he jumps on his dire bat and flies away. Yeah, and meanwhile, after he turned, schmoozing one of our PCs yeah, into you had a NPC uh, that was a buddy of yours, and yeah. he had. Turncoat <laughs> blew away. <laughs> he was. He gave him a dire bat and said, "Yo, you want to work with me?" And he just went with him. <laughs> what a chump! Yeah, that was a that was a crazy moment of just. Oh, and then you went inside your house, and the whole thing was like busted up, and like everything yeah. was broken. And oh man, he the, that the was... house that I had the floor plan in my character binder, and it spent literally hours like drawing like exactly what everything looked like. <laughs> and yeah, I think I still have it. Would would you say that was the most that you hated a character ever? Yeah, I think I I still get angry when I think, think wow, of that that, night. that NPC <laughs> is so universally hated by our group. And that and that was great because it yeah. made your like that group at that point was having issues of why are we together, and that gave you a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was good. What about uh, what about for you, Mitch? Uh, for me, um, it was also in that group. We've talked about Balfour in some previous episodes, but Balfour is the paladin. Um, part of one of the PCs played by Caleb in uh, the group, and there were many times that Balfour's alignment just shone bright of lawful good to the point of annoyance with the rest <laughs> of the group. But there was this one moment where you guys uh, were on a ship and you were traveling. You saw this, this iceberg in the distance. And you had the captain, like, turn from his navigation and wanted to go and check it out. And it's this this ship, this ancient ship that's, like, frozen in ice, lifted up on this iceberg. And so you guys went to check it out. And it, we talked about this when Jared was on about the first time he ever killed something because it was undead. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was the same place. And Balfour's, uh, this dead thing that Jared's character, Jophiel, killed was holding this vial, and it was like this black liquid, and as as a paladin, uh, Balfour sensed evil just coming from this thing. And so this there was this vial, and you guys were all for, let's take this, let's figure out what this is. Balfour takes it, and you guys are like, where are you going with that, Balfour? He walks out, <laughs> he walks down the levels, he gets to the ship deck, you guys are like, Balfour, where are you going? You're following the whole way, like, arms out, like, what are you doing, dude? Like, he just walks up to the ship deck, throws it over the side, <laughs> like, and it's gone completely forever. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, for, for months I remember you guys being like, what was that? What was it? What was it? And we, like, you guys found out later that it was a very evil thing. If somebody drank it, they would have basically been sent to the underworld for three days, 
tortured like crazy. They would have had to change alignment, something drastic, and came back. Um, their soul was sent. Uh, so it would have been terrible for whoever said it. And it was, well, the funny thing was, once I told you guys, <laughs> a couple of you guys were like, I have somebody in the group that I want to use that on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it was just this moment of Balfour's yeah, did not care what the rest of the group thought. He didn't even want to hear it. He didn't even want to stop and discuss. He was like, no, it's completely evil. I'm going to get rid of it. I would have just liked to have seen Caleb play a complete opposite from how lawful good he was. See how chaotic evil he could have become. <laughs> we, like, to that extreme. Yeah, we've... Uh... We've tried to get killed, play chaotic evil in the past. It didn't work out so well, but <laughs> it's just against his nature. But yeah, that was a great moment. It was a little bit sad as the DM because there's times that you, as a DM, you put things in to mess with your players, and to see that really potential to mess with players item go flying over the ship <laughs> was a little sad. But I was like, yeah, it's totally bad. Yeah. So that was that was a good time. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps us up for story time. I think we are ready to start talking about some good old magic alignment and how to bring that into D&D. So let's head over to the meat. Let's do it. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? The flat meat's back on the menu, boys. <laughs> All right, so Magic Mark, you've joined us specifically today to talk about this because this is a, an interest of yours that you've been researching a little bit and coming up with some ideas for. So if you wouldn't mind, would you intro this for us? Uh, sure. So alignment. I think the 3 by 3 classic D&D alignment is something that's good and useful and helps a lot with players. However, often people tend to make choices that either their character wouldn't normally make or go against what they think their character would make simply because of those two little letters at the top left corner of your character sheet. Um, and so I've always kind of liked the idea of coming up with alternate alignment systems. So magic colors are a very intriguing system of alignment, partially because really alignment boils down to values. I think lawful good and chaotic evil sometimes leave a lot of room for all kinds of different values and um the colors of magic kind of focus that a little bit so then you get more interesting things like uh limiting alignment by race and class and follow deity and things like that. that can get really interesting and um, you can have a white character who plays um, with a very civilized rapport and worship Talor, but has some evil tendencies. Yeah. Uh, because white doesn't necessarily mean good. Um, but So you can have a paladin that has a dark side. Yeah, and like we'll talk about like different colors like combining in a little bit, but I like what you talked about before we started recording. We were talking about this and how you said if you look at like a pentagon... Like, you can see, like, in the middle, if you start with the center of the Pentagon and you labeled each one, like, white, black, red, yep. blue, green, or whatever, there's always, you're going to be pulled towards one more than the other, but you're going to have little bits of each one with that little blob yep. of color in the middle stretching out in different ways, yeah. you know? And I yeah. thought that was really interesting, but yeah. we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, in a little bit. So what are the colors here that we're talking about? Let's uh, let's break it down, and then we'll talk about... Talk about how you figure out each color and what each color means. On the color wheel of the magic color wheel, you have white, you have blue, 
black, red, and green. And like we said, that doesn't mean that your character would simply be one color, but we'll focus on that for now um, and focus on what each color represents to determine what kind of alignment, what kind of person your character uh, would be. And one thing that we've said is when you're when you're trying to determine your color and magic, we're going through, all right, what, are, what determines that? And we think when you look at a system, if you're trying to make an alignment system like this, there's a couple factors that really are huge in this. One thing we said is race uh, would yeah. very often, um, if you are going to play a character like the race that they are, the race would be a huge factor in what color your character is. We said class. Whatever class you pick, um, most of the time, has a huge impact on the type of color uh, that your character is. Uh, one thing we also said was what god you follow. If if you follow a god, uh, that god is going to uh, maybe even trump the race and class as far as color. Or at um, least shifted dramatically in yeah. one way or the other. Um, or yeah, or add to it or whatnot. Yep. And it was kind of funny because we were, we were talking about these, uh, specifically these three things. And whenever you look at the classic D&D alignment system, and uh, I think a lot of the times you you start off thinking, well, okay, my alignment, what is my character's outlook in life? And that's, that's a really important thing. Um, but I think when you look at the magic color wheel, the color pie, I think that outlook sometimes may have the least amount of impact on what color your character is. And almost it's almost a backwards effect for a lot of things. It's almost like those first three, race, class, and God, um, shift that outlook. And so you're looking at your character's alignment in a different sense. Yes, that's yeah. kind of what we were saying. Yeah. Yep. Could be something. So, so with that all in mind, let's start looking and breaking down uh, the colors um, and what each of them are. So let's start off with white. Yeah, white is at its core all about civilization and structure. Things like morality, ethics, and religion. Order, uniformity, and conformity, and structure. Like government, um, With the ultimate goal of peace, harmony, and perfection. Sounds great, though. Perfect. <laughs> so yeah, at the core, white is all about peace. They're the most prosperity and most lawful color, if you had to equate it to, you know, the magic or the, the traditional D and D alignments, it would be a lot of the goods and a lot of the lawfulness. Yeah, um, and I mean that being said, you know, the stuff I'm looking at, it also wants to point out the fact that white is not white does not mean good, and like in the color wheel, black does not mean evil. There there are good and evil in every color, but I think there's uh, especially if you actually look at the magic lore, I think white tends to be way more good than black, yeah. and black tends to be Majority way more time, evil. Yeah. Majority of the time. Yeah. doesn't always happen that way. But yeah, in, in general, that is that is yeah. the case. There's There's been white bad guys that are like the, for the greater good type. Like, yeah, yep. Like uh, a, lot of, a lot of magic lore has um, certain races justifying mm-hmm. full-on genocide yeah. for the greater good. Yeah, yeah. So... So you're not necessarily good, but you're also you're still working towards the peace and harmony. White is at its best. White is just and protective, and at its worst, it's fascist and absolute. Some examples to give to give some examples of white characters in a popular culture 
uh, we thought one of the best examples were uh, the Jedi Order. Um, thinking back to uh, the prequels of the Star Wars movie, the Jedi Order is very white, and I think it's actually a great example as you Except watch Mace the, Windu. <laughs> as you watch the progression of the movies, you can see them being white in that best scenario and in that worst scenario. <laughs> like they mm-hmm. kind of fall on both of those lines. I think I think Mace Windu is hugely is. like. Now I get what you mean. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Yoda's um, green. I mean. Mace Window is definitely white. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, I don't even know if I can move on from this. Yoda, definitely white. Very, like, order, uh, law, light. Got the light and dark side of the force going on there. Mm. Um, <laughs> there you go. Oh. And, like, the the order is very much uh, based on ethics and religion. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah. is, it is a faith, and we follow this faith, and the foundations of our faith are like ethics, this morality. That we have. Religion um, seeped with government order, like yeah. very much. It's super. It's super white. Super white. So <laughs> um, white at dance. Another example would be if you know uh, the Robin Hood um, story. You got Friar Tuck. Definitely. Now I. When I think of Robin Hood, I think of the Disney like Robin Hood. That's my favorite. But I think of Robin Hood Men in Tights. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Friar Tuck is totally a, a white character. Like he's he's about that order and law and religion. So let's look at the breakdown of what we talked about before. Uh, let's start off by if you're trying to choose what color your character is, um, how would you maybe arrive at a white color uh, if you're looking at first what your race is? What are some examples of maybe a race in D&D that might be white-aligned? I said humans, but they could be a multitude of different no, things. Yeah. I think humans are a huge... They could obviously fit all over the board, yeah. but I think I think when you look at humanity and how it is in a lot of fantasy lore and even just in, you know, in the real yeah. world, like, human, I mean, especially in, like, fantasy lore, like, humans are... And we're not meaning good, like, in the sense, but a lot of times humanity is looked at as bad in fantasy lore because they are super white, super, like, all into order, super all into uh, law, yeah. and, like... Yeah. Whether you know, that be good or bad. Yeah. yeah. And, and they have that nobility factor. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think humans more so in fantasy than we yeah. yeah. Because in reality, humans are everything, because we're human. <laughs> but, yeah, and... and mythos and lore and things like that it's humans are always intended to be white mm-hmm. the outliers and everybody but they're always intended to be white. Uh, another example is like the asimar which is the mm-hmm. classic D. i know they're a little bit more obscure but basically the, the opposite of a tiefling <laughs> yeah they're the angel version of a tiefling also known as the deva i know in 4e they were the deva and maybe a halfling a, a little bit would be... I mean, we were trying to place halfling on this chart, and we said a halfling definitely have the white like side, they like white part of them. Yeah, like yeah. They, they're about the peace. And uh, we kind of like didn't want to say that they were about order, but then we realized the reason that is is because a lot of times in halfling society that they don't exactly have an issue with that. Right. Um, and, and D&D halflings are... We, uh, we I think when we think halflings, we think a lot more... Lord oh, of the Rings yeah. type halflings. Indeed, halflings are a little bit more chaotic in yeah. that sense, but but yeah, halflings can fall into the white as well. I think more than race, though, um, class. Class really will determine can, a lot. Class and God now are really going to focus yourself. the white aspect. Especially in white. 
your yeah, class yeah. and God and how those work together. Yeah, and so I think the, one of the first ones that everybody thinks of mm-hmm. is cleric. Yeah. Uh, you have the classic person who's looking to follow the gods, follow their will, heal people, make sure everybody's exactly how they're supposed to be in the order that they were made. You know, so I, I think cleric is one that yeah. a and lot like of people... We, yeah, and like we said, like it definitely matters on the god, but when you think cleric, when you think of the class, just straight cleric class, you think of that order, you think of healer, you think of light, like that's what you think. Yeah. Also, I would say paladin. Yeah, yeah paladin's, paladin's another big one. When you talk about order and law, paladin's the guy that you think of. You know, they are, like there's always that running joke, lawful stupid. That's the joke with paladin, like, but that lawful part is definitely a part of the paladin, like yeah. class, and that is definitely Definitely white. I, even more than the cleric, I'd say the paladin class, it focuses on that white color set. A couple deities that really fall under the white moniker, like Halor and Heronius. Um, but I think the king of white is probably St. Cuthbert. Mm-hmm. Your classic, lawful, neutral, this is the way it is, this is the way it's going to be, the world has structure, and we are going to keep uh, that is that is white at its heart is the structure in this world and let us keep it how it is supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, for me, Heronius, Heronius really mm-hmm. drives that home. He's about law and order, and that's that is white. Like those are two gods that I would say I, w- I would I would put all three of those gods as gods that would drive your character to be a white aligned character. I think my first experience ever with Heronius was in one of your campaigns. Mm -hmm. And it was like the guy that I ran up against was like a general in the military. Like he was extremely out, make sure everything was in tip top shape. Like everything had to be followed to the book. And I was like, that is a perfect description of who Heronius is. Something like that. What campaign was that? That was the one where we were in... Uh, I don't know who you're talking about. That was the one with the three generals that we were talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I, yeah. Walked out, I was just like, I'm going to go talk to that guy because he knows what's up. He'll get it, right? <laughs> that's true, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was in a in a futuristic world setting where Peronius had changed from lawful good to lawful neutral. Yeah. So things started to go a little bit weird. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah that's like, yeah, Heronius is absolutely white. Cuthbert is absolutely white. Peller, absolutely. You worship those gods. Your character should um, be uh, a white aligned character. And like all, once you look at all of those things, I think you can start to envision like what kind of character, if those are aspects of your character, your character is going to have an outlook on life that would be a white aligned outlook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would you would value order. You would value law. You would value society and like uh, protecting society and civilization. That having would, the yeah, having the greater group's interest in mind, mm-hmm. I think is another uh, protecting of the peace. Yeah, yeah, uh, justice, justice. <laughs> what comes out of the end of a gun? <laughs> justice. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's take a look at blue. Blue is basically the color of knowledge. Knowledge, logic, and deceit are at the core of blue. They're very intelligence-seeking, and not so much about power hunger, so much as the seeking of information. Secrets. And, yeah, yeah, secrets and deception and uh, lots of Outsmarting spies. your foes. Yes. Uh, yeah, one of the things I see here on the, the wheel that I'm looking at is omniscience. They want all the knowledge. They want like to continuously have everything. That would be their, a blue character's 
highest of goals. Right, yes. right. It's the be omniscient. Yeah. yeah. At its best, blue is smart and progressive, and at its worst, blue is treacherous and cold. That doesn't exactly mean that, like, at... That that could be what that character is based around is being treacherous and cold, but that is definitely um, that's at the worst. That's what blue is at. Uh, so to give a couple examples of blue, uh, Mister Fantastic. He's I your think, favorite, right, Mitch? Uh, no, he's not. But um, <laughs> I, I do. I like him in the Marvel universe. I don't really like Fantastic Four on their own. It's not never been my thing. But and those movies are awful. But uh, Mister Fantastic is absolutely blue aligned he is he's one of the smartest uh characters arguably uh some could say the smartest character in at least the smartest human in the marvel universe um he always creates all these crazy things but he is he's very focused on knowledge and absolutely focused on logic um, and i would say that there are there's definitely like all marvel storylines where you get you get the best of him, and then you also get that worst of him, where he is treacherous and cold, and like that cold aspect more than treacherous. Where because he's so smart, like he is beyond like that comprehension. I we don't even have this written down, but this is I just even thought of it almost even better one. Uh, what about uh, Mister Manhattan from oh, yeah. from Watchmen? Not not only is he, it's funny because both of those characters are like Mr. Fantastic wears blue and Mr. Manhattan, Mr. Manhattan is, literally is blue. blue. <laughs> um, he, but he is he's absolutely blue. He's he's so blue and so far gone in his knowledge and logic that he that tre- that worst of it like is such a factor in the Watchmen yeah. like uh, comic and movie is because he's. He's cold. He doesn't. He doesn't relate anymore to the human race. Uh, the Silk Spectre is the only remaining thing that holds him to the human race. He says it like, but he's. He, it doesn't matter to him because he's just like, ah, you guys to me are ants. Like, right. I don't know why would I care about ants at point. Like, yeah, because he's gotten really close to that omniscient point mm-hmm. where he knows and, like everything. And yeah. one of the blue qualities is inaction, it's mm-hmm. silent observation right. of things happening. Yeah, um, clockwork deities of setting th- something to go and just watching what. Happens. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give one more example that's popping in my head. Watchers in Marvel universe; those oh, yeah. are definitely blue. Um, they just watch. They don't. They don't act. What is the? What are the guys from Fringe? The Observers. The Observers in seasons one through four. Yeah, in seasons one through four. No <laughs> definitely blue. Five. Yeah, you hit Mark's Def- spot. Now. <laughs> definitely blue. Like they're about logic and knowledge, and they just watch. They don't like you said. They in action. They don't. That's part of their code is they don't do that, watchers and observers. So, um, you had another example, Mark? Oh, uh, Cortana from the Halo series. Mm-hmm. She's a more white blue when I come to think about it more, but very definitely an artificial intelligence that is all yeah. about gains knowledge and saving humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what races in the D&D universe would lean more towards the blue-colored alignment? Well, there's the Warforged. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like that um, inaction perspective of um, I do not care about human matters. <laughs> I am eternal and unending. I think, like, yeah, on that on that worst side <clears throat> of things, a Warforged could be on that blue cold side. They could yeah. be. Um, on the other side, they could be trying to seek um, after being, I'm, I'm alive. But yeah, you could have that like 
they don't because they they're pretty much a robot like mm-hmm. that becomes a living thing like mm-hmm. they could have a lot of those blue tendencies uh towards towards both good and bad um i think also gnomes yep. uh, gnomes are a race that we see like that are very into knowledge and looking uh for inventions and uh, magic and they want to know more and more about that gnome yeah, i've been working a lot for my upcoming campaigns within the next couple of weeks for you guys to meet some gnomes i'm really excited for us that's the type of stuff that come along so, <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool inventions that i think you guys will like yeah, but the tinkerers i feel like the mer creator type characters yeah um would be super blue yeah and i think especially like i i played world of warcraft for a long time and it's like they are like they they use this blue tendency to the max for these mm-hmm. like they they like created like uh like motorized vehicles and all that stuff like they were just way ahead of their time they were tinkers they were knowledge based they found anything and made something out of it like mm-hmm. they were just they were just good at at thinking on their feet and doing stuff like mm-hmm. that so um what do you guys think about for classes what classes would would fit into the blue category the epitome of blue a blue class is the wizard. Wait, like we even we thought sorcerer, and we're like, no, uh, sorcerer not so much. Uh, they're more they have the talent of magic, but the wizard is ever seeking to uh, grow his knowledge of the arcane uh, to learn new spells, and that's one of, one of the reasons why I love the wizards because uh, if you look over if you, the fact that they can have uh, areas of magic where they schools of magic where they can't use because they specialize, they are. They are able to take every single spell and learn every single spell um, and keep on learning. And yeah, they are completely knowledge focused. Um, maybe they don't have to be so much logic focused, but knowledge, absolutely. Um, if you're an illusionist, you are absolutely blue. You're focused on deceiving and knowledge. And that's an illusionist would even be more so that wizard blue focus. The pinnacle of blue is a gnome illusionist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who worships. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about gods, like uh, yeah. Bokob. A gnome, with, a gnome illusionist who worships Bokob. Yeah, that would be, <laughs> like, you're not getting away from blue at that point. Yeah, you're blue. You might as well be a smurf. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> a smurf neblin, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, like, you're uh, a Bokob is absolutely, being the god of wizards, he is... He is a blue focus if you worship Bokob. Bokob is known as for his uncaring attitude attitude towards like the mortal because he just he's all just focused on like knowledge himself. And yeah. like if you know, like so Bokob is that at its worst, it's cold and you know, like he's not he doesn't care. Um, another one would be Gond. Uh, uh-huh. we had a Gond worshiper in one of our campaigns and he built the myrrh. Um, and he, you know, Gond is very. Oh, that's who he worships. Yep, he, oh, Gond is all about invention and uh, building new things. And uh, Gond, if you worship Gond, you're you would fall in that blue category. So if you are, fit into these categories, your character fits in these. You're going to have an outlook, right? That's yeah, knowledge focused. Uh, that's logic. That's a blue focused outlook. Yeah, a very curious character. A very mm-hmm. character. A character that's. Really oriented towards what can I learn? How can mm-hmm. I develop the XP oriented character without being necessarily yeah. XP? Dri- yeah, driven by learning. Um, I think that's that's like if you're playing, if you want to play with this, and your your players want to play with this, uh, uh, the blue 
character would always be the character that you bring up something new in your campaign, and they're going to have 50 questions about it. Yeah, like, yeah. Even if the player doesn't care, like the the character would be like, I yeah. want to know more. I want to know more. I want to know more. And, Keep telling me. And like they'll be the first ones. You get to town. I don't want to shop. Where's your library? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, the ones that are very interested in the pursuit of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of- All right, so let's move on to black. Black is the color of self-indulgence, power hunger, death, and darkness. They're very much all about the concept of serving the self and dominating others in the process to the point where black is all about conquest, more or less. (laughs) Black is what I encourage my players not to be in the (laughs) campaigns. We've had a few of them. They're no longer with us. Black-aligned players, (laughs) players, I would say, are are the problem players. Yeah, yeah, because they're very much have their foundation in self-glorification at the expense of others. That being said... Sometimes even themselves. That being said, that kind of character... If it's if the player is oh my gosh if the player is black <laughs> if the player is black aligned you have a problem <laughs> if the character is black aligned you can very very much have a problem because I think the player behind that character made him that way for a reason a lot of times that's not mm-hmm. the right reason however it can be done really well it just has to have the right person playing yeah. that kind of a character. Someone able to separate the game yes. from reality. Yes. Yeah, I think if you have somebody like that, you also have to have your whole group be yeah. able to separate right. the game from reality, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, at times. It's because like, it's going to piss some people a, off regardless if you want it to It or could not. be a really great person playing that character, and you could have some people who yeah. are not able to handle yeah. that yes. kind of play. But it can be done really well. Black at its best is ambitious and unashamed, and at its worst, black is enslaving and devouring. So, and that would be <laughs> therein lies the problem. <laughs> but black can be done really well, I think, too. It just takes the right kind of mentality. Yeah, it does from both that one player and from the group, like you yeah. said. So let's let's talk about some examples of a black aligned character. Now we stated this before, but color doesn't mean good or evil um we said like white like a lot of times people think of white as As good good, and black as in evil now that's not the case however i think when we were talking about examples of characters and races and classes we with the ideas that black supports it very often does lead to not so much as evil, but not good. Yeah. <laughs> kind of I mean, if you're going to be a self-serving yeah. person that's always looking for your best interest... You're at the very least going to be yeah. some sort of neutral. Yeah. The, yeah. the best examples of black that are not necessarily evil are more likely to be found in the real world, like Donald Trump <laughs> and other... And they're not necessarily and you wouldn't, good you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't call them but, good. But they are very self-serving, but they're not uh. like... I'm gonna go slaughter a camp of children, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like most, yeah, yeah, for my own personal gain. Yeah. you know. So <laughs> that being said, not all evil characters would do that either. Yeah. So lawful evil characters are a very different mindset, right? right. Um, so some examples that we came up with, uh, the two <clears throat> best examples that we thought of was uh, first Voldemort. I don't even think that Voldemort would be a different color. He would just strictly be black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I can't picture him being. Yeah. 
anything other than that. Yeah, he is. Maybe maybe a touch of blue because he's a wizard. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, but like, like we said earlier, like these some people will have touches of other things yeah. in them. Like there's sometimes where he might cast a spell and it's like completely changed, mm-hmm. like a red emotional moment. But overall, I would yeah. say he's definitely he's, black. he's what we talked about. He's self serving, power hungry. He's like when you he's death, he's darkness. Like that's yeah. what. Uh, Voldemort is and going along with that our other example is Emperor Palpatine yeah loving our Star Wars re- uh, references but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah that like Emperor Palpatine would be the epitome of black maybe once again some blue there maybe yeah. even some white but Not definitely so black yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely black, black black's a lot more patient than red I know we haven't gotten to red quite yet but like Evil red and evil black, if you yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Evil red would be, I'm going to smash it with my axe right now. Evil and not care about what's going to happen I'm because I'm going to take my time. I'm going to pretend to be good for as long as possible. Yeah. And then when it's to my advantage, I'm going to flip the tables on everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly what Emperor Palpatine did. Exactly. Yeah. A, a red cal- a red character could, would, you'd insult them and they'd punch you in the face. Yeah. A black aligned character would kind of shake his head at you and then go off and have this elaborate plan to get back at you tenfold and just destroy your yeah. entire life for yeah. an insult. <laughs> yeah. So those are those are some examples that we thought of of uh, black aligned characters. What about races? This one was a little bit harder for us to come up with races. Once again, especially thinking of races that aren't strictly thought of as evil, but we came up with uh, first just undead characters. Yeah, Any yeah. kind of undead. It's not really a race. The type, but all undead would be considered black. <laughs> I was, I would say so. Yeah, unless you're watching some sort of cheesy recent zombie robot. warm bodies. <laughs> warm bodies. I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I actually haven't How, seen that movie. However, the zombie in that movie is not black. Yeah, because there's a worse zombie that is black. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, the skeleton things. <laughs> yeah, but your typical common zombies, especially in fantasy yeah. lore, are definitely black. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely a lot. Pretty much undead would you could just classify a lot of undead as just strictly black. Yep. We had also vampires. Mm-hmm. Now we said that it it depends because yeah, there once can be again s- not Twilight vampires. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, black for talking about Twilight sometimes. Uh, vampires uh, can be black. They can also be red yeah. as well. But depends on what like what vampire you're talking about i mean mm-hmm. if you have... i like the the idea of a like a black line vampire more than a red emotion driven vampire like we talked about like the the black like i'm gonna buy my time kind of vampire way cooler my yeah. way yeah more dangerous way more scary than a emotion driven vampire yeah. and a big yeah. factor with that and vampires is the immortality mm-hmm. aspect like I can take my time. I'll let everybody exactly, else die. Yeah. I'm not going to. Yeah. yeah, especially if they've been alive for like a thousand years already. Yeah, it's exactly. like, well, whatever. Yeah. You know, no big deal. I'll wait another five years. Petty human. I'll yeah. wait two decades yeah. for you to die. Yeah, like, and and yeah, petty human. Like that mentality. I think I like the lore that vampires believe themselves to be elite to pretty much everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that is that self-serving like black mentality. Vampires are a great example. Yep. Lastly, we have the Tiflings, mm-hmm. which they're descended from demons, so it's pretty <laughs> pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. If there's going to be a black race, yeah, it'd be clear. Yeah, clearly yeah. you could have 
white aligned typhoon, anything typhoon, yeah. and that's like what we said. Like all these races, it's just if you want to generalize, typhlings are black. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, mostly for them, that's the the heritage of the yeah. demonic. Yeah. They have black flowing through their veins. Yeah, <laughs> black blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool. That's cool. <laughs> I think think I'm going to have my typhus actually bleed black. <laughs> That's pretty sweet yeah. Uh, yeah. to think about. But yeah. So what about uh, what about some classes? I think we can all agree that rogue would yep. be the classic. I mean, you look at it, yep. it would be black. I mean, you have yeah. a lot of thieves, assassins who are very much in it for mm. their own glory. Yep. I mean, especially if they're a pickpocket, like, they're just doing it to gain themselves a little bit. A lot of a lot of the D and D mentality behind a rogue is I'm gonna I'm gonna get rich so that I can get powerful. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. right. like it's not know. it's not just I'm gonna get rich so I can sit in the house all day and chill. Right. right. It's I wanna get rich so I can buy sweet weapon, a sweet right. this, a sweet yeah. that right. get even and stronger. get more rich. Yeah. <laughs> right. And the thing is I think if you're gonna find a not evil black character, you would have to start by looking at rogues and mm-hmm. more. Because there's a lot of like ambitious and self motivated rogues that aren't necessarily like evil, but they have that motivation of self edification and indulgence and ambition and right. money and so they're not good by any means, but they are not bad either. Right? I would say that the rogue is probably if you're gonna go towards having a black aligned character be good. The rogue is probably your best route because yeah. most rogues are gonna have black alignment in them. Yeah. Um, but you can have a good rogue. You can yeah. ha- you can most definitely have a good rogue. Like, yeah. but if there's gonna be black aligned characters, I think most of them would tend to be that rogue type character. We also mentioned uh, anti paladins, exact opposite of white, like exact opposite of a paladin. An anti paladin is all about like just. That self-serving, power-hungry. They would be black at its worst. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, <laughs> they would be your black. Classic at its Andy worst. Paladin is the chaotic evil. I'm gonna go burn down an orphanage, and <laughs> roll in the guts. Oh, um, oh gross! <laughs> terrible. <laughs> that's your classic Andy Paladin. Yep. No, it is. Um, you're right. So I think yeah, that's black at its worst. Yep. That is evil at its purest. E- well, I would I would disagree on that because I would okay. say an anti paladin working with a necromancer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> there you go. No, yeah, because yeah, necromancers too, like a wizard who specializes in necromancy. Like you, you can have a good once again a good aligned necromancer. It's weird, yeah, it's <laughs> but really, you can. But I'm using the dead to be good. Yeah, a necromancer <laughs> really at his core is going to be. That's a class driven. You'd be considered black right. because of yeah. right. your choice to dabble in necromancy, specialize in necromancy. Yep. About with gods, uh, we we came up with some ideas of gods that are black focused, and uh, Nerul was the first one to pop right to my head. Nerul is classic black. He is the god of death, after all. So yeah. if you follow the rule, and you're going off the magic pie chart, color pie chart, then you are having to have black somewhere in right. that. Um, next we have Weejoss. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't actually know a whole lot about Weejoss or the any of magic these deities. Power so hungry, yeah, yeah, that would be that would definitely be like Weejoss. Kind of, yeah, and Vecna yeah. too, like same kind of deal in, in fact Vecna is basically a god who is a lich <laughs> and yeah. uh, we mentioned before when we were talking about undead like Chris you were like yeah liches 
Which is are the epitome yeah. of uh, yeah, they are of black aligned. Like well, they're so self indulging to the point mm-hmm. where they were like, "I'm gonna deny myself death and use magic to resurrect myself." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty black. That's that's pretty darn black. And yeah, Vecna being a deity who is a lich, if you're worshiping Vecna, you should have some black alignment there, right? To say right. the least. Um, so, what kind of outlook if you chose a black aligned character? What kind of outlook on uh, life is your character going to have in a campaign? Well, I think it's going to be a lot fueled by self-promotion, self-indulgence, all that kind of stuff where you're all about just building up your own glory in your own, just building yourself up to a point where you're on top and the most powerful person around. Mm-hmm. Utilizing other people as tools would be a nice black aspect i think a black character can join a party and a player group and have this mindset of i am with these people for them to get me as far as they can get me right and then i'm done with them. then i'm gonna dump them and move on to the yep. next thing they're every bush every person is a tool or a stepping stone um and depending on how useful that person is defines what that is yeah and once again with that it's a great like that is a total black driven mentality and what black would do but once again you got to be careful, your players, and you got to be careful with a black-driven character, player character, because they tend to piss people off and <laughs> end up being the yeah. person hated in the group. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they can do that very yeah. quickly. All right, so let's talk about red. All right, so red is the color of freedom, action, emotion, and adventure. It's all about action and just living for the now and the moment and getting things done. Yeah, that's yeah, what like I was going to say, is like in the moment. Yeah, like you said, with black, waiting it out, like taking your time. Red is just like acting upon yeah. it, like impulse, like instant gratification. You would be the person that would punch the person in the face. Red right is away, the color that shoots first it. and asks questions later. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the way the revolution started. Shot heard around the world. It was a very red moment in the United States history. <laughs> Gosh. Um, (laughs) At its best, red is passionate and decisive, but at its worst, red is destructive and short-sighted. Which is (laughs) why in magic you see it as the fire is the (laughs) Yep, yep. Exactly. So what are some examples? What do you guys have down? Um, Han Solo. He's kind of the... Shoot first. Han shot first. Yep. (laughs) I don't care what the movie does, Han shot first. One of my favorite moments in uh, Han Solo is... In Empire, they're like walking into the room and uh, in Cloud City. Oh, yeah. This is... And it's like Darth Vader's in this room. <laughs> oh, at the yeah. Table, and Lando's just like, here, let me take you to these people. We're going to hang out with or something like that. I don't remember the exact line. And yeah, the door, that was it. That was yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> the door opens and Darth Vader's like sitting at this table with like food and stuff. And Han doesn't look at Lando and get all cranky and like, dude, you betrayed us. He doesn't like. He's not like, what? What's and going yeah, on? Yeah, he doesn't get confused. He just pulls out his gun and shoots at Vader. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do he the does. classic, no! Yeah, no! He doesn't get whiny. That's he not just, possible! He just goes, pew! Take that, Vader. Now, Vader being Vader is just like lightsaber. Screw you. He eats um, it with his did he, hand. Did he lightsaber it or did he no, just he force push it? Yeah, he, I thought he, he just like caught yeah. it or force push it or something. Yeah, stops yeah. it with his hand. And then pulls the gun to himself. Yeah. So it's like, dude, you're trying to shoot a, a Darth Vader, there. Jedi master. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, if you, you think attention. you think if a one single blaster bolt could take Vader out, it would have been done. <laughs> yeah, by it's, this time in it's history. that it's that one moment where it's just like, 
what the heck, man? <laughs> I mean, we're here way early looking at you like, what a dumb, like, that was not going to work. But then you have so much respect that he tried yeah. in that, that red aligned moment. Would that have been more of a, like, defining moment for Star Wars than finding out that Darth <laughs> Vader was Luke's son? <laughs> Imagine if he, like, pulled his gun out and actually shot Vader in the face and Vader just movie dies. Yeah, I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh. <laughs> well, well. Guess the, the empire is gonna crumble now. Thanks, Han Solo. And they hold it. That just skips to another ceremony, and they're cr- just like they're putting a crown on yeah. Han Solo yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Roll credits. Oh um, man. Anyway, moving on. Chris, uh, do you have an example? Well, I'll let Mitch do his yeah. favorite of all okay. time. I like both of them. Nice I know. Examples. That's why I was like, man, However, you're probably stuck on which um, one you're gonna share. Yeah, William Wallace is absolutely red. Um, whether you go by the history William Wallace or uh, the movie William Wallace, he was. All about freedom for one. Yep. I mean, he kind of yells it. I was going to say, yeah. he kind of yells it. <laughs> but uh, he, he also was uh, about action, and uh, you saw he was emotion. <clears throat> and red doesn't always mean fire, but if you go on strictly historical. William Wallace, that dude loved to burn stuff down. <laughs> that was his like tactic, like like oh, there's a there's an English fort over there. We we burn it down. We burn it to the ground. <laughs> That's what you do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's he's absolutely a good example of a red aligned character. Okay, Chris, share my other favorite one. Uh, yeah, Wolverine. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this one. We were like, Red, what? what is it? And Wolverine was one of the first yeah. ones that we said. Wolverine does uh, not wait and talk. He doesn't. There's a lot of times where... Well, no, in, in one of the movies, he does give the guys, he's like, you should you should leave now. And he's like, you should get out. And then he just kills them all with his bone claws. I think that was the newest one, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. When they come into his room. Days of Future Past. Yeah, Days of Future Past. But for... Yeah, yeah that was the new one. Yeah. But for the most part, he's just like, you pissed me off. You're yeah, going to get stabbed yeah, now with even my... even in the moments where Wolverine is like, you should leave now, and blah, 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 and like talking, you just see the like veins, you see the veins popping in his out. head, like, because he's just like, he's ready to snick and like cut people to ribbons. Yeah, like, yeah. He is well, wasn't, about Well, wasn't the first like, time that he, in the movies, I think, anyways, I don't know about the comics, didn't... He realized that he had the bone claws because he got really angry and was like, "Was it his little? <laughs> yeah. Was it his brother who yeah. killed him?" How many times? Like that? Oh, yeah, the just, movies he gets angry. Also. Yeah, yeah. How many times does <laughs> oh, no. you see like Wolverine like screaming? Like, there's all those like YouTube videos of like scenes of like actors like spliced together. Like you can oh, watch yeah. like the Arnold Schwarzenegger like uh, videos where they splice together. Like somebody could probably do a Wolverine just screaming like video and just be like. 35 minutes just out yeah. of the movie. I feel like if in the X-Men world there was ever like a Dragon Ball Z live action movie that was going to be made, <laughs> he would be the guy to cast for that part. Because <laughs> Dragon Ball Z, they just yell the whole time. But yeah, right. Yeah, they're pretty, they're all pretty red. In yeah, they're sense. all pretty red. Except for Krillin, he's just dead all the time. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, so what do, you, what do you guys think of when you think of races for red? I think first off, we can all kind of say this, orcs would be very red. I know yep. in a lot of like video games, like especially World of Warcraft, they have a a, 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 a move called Bloodlust, where it's like, I think it's called Bloodlust in World of Warcraft anyways, where it's like, they just go into this just angry rage, and they get a whole bunch of bonuses to their attack and stuff like that. Like, it's just, it's a very red, it's very in the moment. Yep. Uh, there's there's a reason their favorite class is Barbarian. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, orcs, goblins, both very red aligned uh, races, absolutely. 
I think the other one we were thinking too was um, we were saying dwarfs, and we had a little bit of a discussion on how. What did you say, Mark? You said the society. Yeah, dwarven society is probably white. Yeah, but it is very populated with red individuals. Yeah, especially individuals. when you get into the heat of battle and stuff like that, uh, it turns very red. <laughs> yeah. In red, two meanings of the word, yeah. but red like, is probably the most chaotic color. But if you look at dwarves, you go like they're lawful. But a lot of dwarves are also chaotic. Yeah. But you still yeah. expect, if you punch a dwarf in the face, you don't expect him to talk to you about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you let's, expect let's, him to throw you. Let's think you about what just happened here a minute. Just, yeah. just sit down with me. Let's, even a law, yeah, even a lawful character yeah. can be red in the sense yes. of that. Like oh, yeah. dwarves are very lawful, but they are very red in their they're hot tempered. Like maybe dwarves are red, red all around, but they're trying to be white. <laughs> <laughs> right, maybe. Like they got, I like this, about it that way. they got this sense, like they, oh, we gotta behave like all the other races. <laughs> We're good, so we can't. I feel like they would just, just eventually branch. give in, though. Like, <laughs> well, I think they do normally. It's just a matter yeah. of the rulers hold on to the white the longest. That's true. Dwerger, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. What about classes? The most obvious one, fighter. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> barbarian. Totally barbarian. Yeah, barbarian. Absolutely. Um, rage. Rage, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't you get that at first level is rage, I think? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What is what is Wolverine more than a dwarf barbar- barbarian? <laughs> that's pretty no, much it. No, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much a Wolverine. Oh, well, no, he'd be, he'd be a human barbarian. <laughs> Some sort of just weird Some s- yeah. He's got a healing factor. Of yeah, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He's but got yeah. a vampire fast healing abilities. <laughs> barbarian class, like... I would say you'd be very hard pressed to play a barbarian and not be a red, yeah, yeah, line person. I would like to meet somebody who goes. I'm going to play a patient barbarian. Yeah, I don't think you're playing your barbarian class well if you're not. Red. I mean, you could. I guess you could play a barbarian that fights against being a barbarian, like as like a flaw or something like that. <laughs> Why did I choose this class? Yeah, right. No. I'm so mad. I mean, I'm not mad. I mean, I am mad. <laughs> Suppress. You can't. You can't do it. Can't do it. Seal don't feel. Uh, fighters though, uh, like you could very much have a red aligned fighter. Yeah. Um, yep. And the other one we thought of was a sorcerer, because their uh, magical talent comes. It's a talent. It comes from within. Yeah. They're. It's just innate. It's natural. It's based off their charisma, which in many ways is emotional. Yeah. Yep. Which is red at its core. Yeah. Yep. If red had to have a ability score it would be charisma yeah if you had to match a, yeah. an ability to red it would definitely be charisma, charisma. and strength yeah yeah <laughs> like, hit hard once yeah. get hard while angry <laughs> yeah um, gods yeah. what about uh, some examples of uh, if you worshipped this god you would probably be red aligned oh, sticking with the orc barbarians you gotta go with Grimush mm-hmm. um He's even got the red eye. Yep. And, um, <laughs> all that true. stuff. I think he's very much a red deity um, seeking short-term goals more often than yeah. not. Um, 
That's kind of his thing. Is I'm gonna conquer this now. Yeah. <laughs> and then when that doesn't work out, because some wiser deity kicks his butt or whatever, I'm gonna conquer this now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the clerics <laughs> of Grimush are going. All right, here's our long term plan. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Serving Grimush is just here's like, how we're going to, to battle. <laughs> to battle. We and go victory. fight the guys over there. Yeah. Right. And then we go fight the guys over there. <laughs> yeah. And then we fight ourselves a little bit. <laughs> Uh, I think one of them, the next one would be Tiamat. Mm. She is lawful, evil, and red at her core. Like, mm, yeah. And she is all five of the colored dragons all in one. Which is kind of weird if we're talking about all colors. But, you know, she's yeah. she's very much just hell-bent on destruction. Well, the like, most that's... evil dragons are red dragons. Yeah. Right? yeah. Or is it black dragons? I don't remember. Uh, I think red, I believe. Yeah. Is, yeah. Red and black are both pretty evil. Like, the reds, red dragons are like the prophets of Tiamat. Yeah, yeah. I'm not super well versed in my chromatic dragon lore, but um, I think red is very much the fire dragon. Yeah, it's got the fire along with it and everything too, which is just a symbol of destruction. Well, Tiamat's uh, with the five-headed dragon, like, it's... Her body and her main head is a red dragon, right? Right. And like like we've said before, your your skin color and you know doesn't make you that alignment. Like tieflings yes. are uh, red skin, but we put them in the right. black category. But red dragons are absolutely red aligned. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that's yeah. That's like you were saying. Tiamat is absolutely a red aligned. Um, the last uh, example we have of a god that is red, uh, I don't know why it took us so long to think of him, because he's, to me, he's the obvious one, is Kord. Yeah, Kord uh, is absolutely red. <laughs> like, he is, if you're going to be a barbarian, who are you going to worship? You're going to worship Kord. Unless you're an orc, you're going to worship yeah. Grimush, but <laughs> God of brawling, yeah. like, he is, Kord uh, is absolutely red. So, um, if you are a red-aligned uh person in D&D, what is your outlook going to be in life? You don't have an outlook. You just yeah. go moment by moment. I think <laughs> freedom. Freedom. I think yeah. most red characters, if they could come up with the word, would be abolitionists. If you have slavery in your world, they would be like, that's not right. However, instead of saying, I am against it, working politically, they would probably just go set people free. Yeah, right? um, I think that, as we stated, there can be lawful red characters. Yeah. Right. However, I think if you had to choose an alignment, like it would fall more on the chaotic um, yeah. aspect yes. of yeah. things. Um, like well, like we said with Hansel, shoot first, ask questions later. Right. Emotion driven. Looking for Quick the next tempered. Fight. Yeah, yeah, looking for the next fight. Yep. I think they're very much not necessarily like glory oriented for the sake of like, I want to be glorious, but they're very oriented towards like, alright, let's see who can win next. Let's yeah, do definitely this. could be. Yeah. Um, I think the Gimli and Legolas, like, seeing who kills more in battle <laughs> is a good example of, like, a red fe- feature in those two of, like, you know, let's see who can beat each other. Right, Even though it's, like, right. this dire situation and they're getting, like, swarmed <laughs> by thousands of orcs, they're just like, That's still it counts still as one. Counts <laughs> as one. Yeah. Um, that was one of those killing a moment kills, so that really yeah. doesn't count for it. Yeah. And, well, he killed, like, nine guys in the process of killing the moment kills, so I feel like just the ones, it's fine. But anyway, uh, I think that's a very red thing of, like, battle is fun, and we're going to see who can win at this battle. Even though it's life-threatening and somebody could stab me in the throat, (laughs) I'm going to be like, let's see who can kill the most. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's talk about green, last but not least. 
All right, so green is all about growth, adaptation, nature, and life. It's very much the color of growth and nature and... Adaptation. Adaptation. So far, I've done that with pretty much every color, I think. Yeah, you've, like, you've kind of... I say, it's the colors of these words. And then I go, which yeah, means it's it. like these That's words. That's what editing <laughs> So anyway, the it's very much the color that at its core is I would say that uh, you know, with that natural order like focus, like they would be almost in like I almost think of like Indian culture, like or I should say Native, Native American Native. culture. They are not opposed to uh, not opposed to hunting, like, and killing, like, animals and things like that, but it's, like, done in a respectful way. Um, yes. What they kill, they would eat. Um, so, uh, I mean, yeah, the kind of natural order focus yep. um, to that. Um, I would say at its best, green is instinctual and growth-centered. At its worst, green is vicious and unthinking. All right, so an example of green is... Radagast the Brown from mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. Absolutely. He's kind of a lesser known character, but he's like now, now that the Hobbit, Hobbit yeah, movies are out, the Hobbit yeah. movies that came out, yeah, is pretty well known. Even still, he's in the yeah. one scene, and that's pretty much it. Uh, but Radagast is like the Good nature. Birds w- poop in his hair. He's yeah, man. <laughs> he's the nature wizard, for yeah. lack of a better oh, yeah. term, in the group of Ishtari, right? They're Ishtari. Yep, Ishtari, yep. Um, Gotta sound smart now, right? I know. <laughs> or, it's like a, or like a complete nerd. Yeah. Uh, Make up for your repeating yourself could, three times. I can talk about Dragon Age. If you really want me to prove No, we myself. don't. All right, yeah, so he's... Uh, uh, yeah, Radagast, yeah. anyway. Absolutely. Is, yeah, a he's green all, He gets character. along with animals more than people. I feel like that's a green trait. Like, yeah. <laughs> I would rather be with the birds. Uh, yeah, so, and then we have... We uh, have Poison Ivy, an uh, yeah. evil character. However, absolutely green. Um, in fact, like, you, you were saying, you know, Radagus gets along better with animals poison ivy's problem is that she gets along better with plants and values them yeah she can control over, like all plants <laughs> around her yeah. yeah she like she's oh you always see her like talking to plants like my baby did batman hurt you and, like, <laughs> you know, like she's she's a, a good example of a evil green aligned character yep and our last example um you're gonna favorites. give that to me, Captain Planet? Yeah. I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> you don't know Captain Planet. I don't know who Captain Planet is. You never watched Captain Planet. No, I, that's why when you said Poison Ivy, I was like, what? What the fuck, man? Why'd you take Captain or why'd you take Poison Ivy? I don't know who Captain Planet is. <laughs> How do you not know who Captain Planet is? Anyway, I lived under a Captain rock. I don't know. Captain Planet! Anyway, Captain Planet. What were the uh, all the kids? They had all the power. It was like earth, and, wind, water, yeah. fire. And then the Asian kid was like, the- heart! <laughs> You had heart. Oh, it was so bad. Um, but anyway, I, Captain, I, when did this happen? When Captain Planet was basically he was. Why did I not see this? He was the eco-friendly superhero. Like the yeah. bad guys in that were real people. They were basically the bad guys were like uh, was it like Al Gore, like BP, like oil was, like, was like the bad like guys. Pollution people. Yeah, like they'd be like, oh, we got to take down the bad guys, and you see people like loading toxic toxic waste on the trucks. And yeah, stuff. was like, this like a live action show? No, no. Oh, if only that would make it so much better. If you it was can live watch action. Don Cheadle online. 
plane, Captain Planet. Yeah, they found, uh, <laughs> they followed Gaia, the goddess of nature, but they didn't call her the goddess of nature. Or <laughs> they called her Gaia, and she was just like some spiritual being. <laughs> I totally need to go watch this show. Yeah. Oh my Captain gosh, Planet, it's, it's so awful. It's amazing when, and terrible at the same like, time. Like, I'll watch shows from like my childhood, and I'll be like, wow, like, that was that is so awful. But back when I watched Captain Planet when I was young, I knew it was awful. <laughs> Captain Planet was like the TV show that I watched when nothing else was on. Right. Like I really want to watch this blue dude with green hair and red like um, underwear fly around, yeah. like you know, like, help save the planet. Earth, no, he was Earth Superman with not quite as many powers. Yeah, Another I can just imagine that being a live action show now. Like it would just be like awful. It'd be so bad. But Captain Planet. Obviously, a green aligned character. Yeah. Obviously, one that I thought of while we were recording was uh, the Navi from Avatar. Mm. They're very much nature oriented. Yeah. I hate um, them more than Captain Planet. I know <laughs> <laughs> they're still blue, uh, but I think they're super nature oriented. They're basically space elves. Yeah, but yeah, that's pretty much what they space are. Elves, yeah, uh, they go really but yeah, we were we were talking about with weird struggling to come up Native with Native Americans but they're super space. super green Native nature Americans balance um, I'm sorry I had to kill you but I'm hungry well and they also had those like weird like tentacle things that had to connect to everything yeah, like their creatures and stuff they were like one with nature one and stuff with nature. oh gosh yeah, so Rukmaktau. So races. Yeah, <laughs> Let's right. Get away from Navi. Um, so races. The Navi. Uh, the <laughs> ones. Um, <laughs> the ones that clearly come to mind right away. Uh, besides the Navi, are elves. Elves. Um, elves are, in most lore, very very green, very very um, at one with nature. That is elven society. <laughs> like, yep. let's live in the trees. Yeah. Yep. Play harp. Yeah. Wood wood elves, if you're gonna get super specific, yep. very, very green yeah. aligned. Yeah. Um we also mentioned uh satyrs. Very very green, very um focused on nature and growth. Yeah. They're much more the instinct side of green. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they could probably lean more towards that at its worst type yeah. of green if they want to. Definitely with unthinking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hedonistic, very much so. Right. Um, and then we also thought of centaurs. Centaurs who are much more the thinking. <laughs> right. Yep. In in most lore of the green, but uh, yeah, definitely at one with nature. I mean, you cut down the forests and the satyrs and the uh, centaurs and the elves look like the the fish and the cuddly bears and the Lorax. Oh, we have no place to go. <laughs> oh no! Um, the elves just hop on their ships and go across the sea. But yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, so those, escape it all. Yeah, those are um, some good examples of uh, green-aligned races. All right. So classes we have the druid. It's kind of the pinnacle of green. Yeah. Radagas was is pretty much a druid. Yeah, <laughs> that's, like, that's pretty yeah. much what he is. Yeah, so they're very much oriented towards nature and life, and if you know what a druid is, you know it's... Yeah, you can't really get away from being green-aligned if you're going to be a druid. Like, it just does not work. Could you even get away from... Could maybe multicolor as a druid? Oh, you could hit, You could be more than green, absolutely, yeah. but I would I would say if you're playing... No, but I don't think you could ever... Yeah, I don't think you could ever get away from having green. Yeah, I don't think you could. You have to be... Nature oriented in yeah. some way, shape, or form. Druids are very focused on balance, which I would say green is focused a lot of times on balance. Yeah, like yeah. balance in nature. Like. A lot of magic lore has like green trying to strike a balance between white and black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, 
Green is like, come on, let's just get along. <laughs> Black's like, no, I want to rule. And White's like, let's just have peace. Black's like, man, we would get along with them, but every time we're having our long-term plans, they're coming up with their short-term plans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, like Druids are the epitome of the green class. Um, yeah. Along with that, Rangers oftentimes um, are nature-focused. Yeah. Like a, a lot of their skill sets are nature focused. Like they do better in in nature. Animal um, companion. Yeah. Whether whether that is based off of a you live in a country with large forest or you're a desert ranger. Like you're still green. Like you're still right. green aligned. Right. Focused on the environment and nature around you. Um, animal companions, like you said. Yeah. Like rangers and druids very much work together in that sense. Um, they are very green aligned. Um, and then, so, uh, lastly, gods, uh, Obadhai, um, is the green god, um, when you get to, um, at least, at least the gods that we're familiar with, uh, right. Obadhai mm-hmm. is, um, absolutely all about nature, um, that's the focus, um, and then we were looking for another one, Chris, and you kind of convinced us. Yeah, I kind of said Yandala yeah. a little bit. I, I threw it out there, but I don't know if you heard me the first time I said it. I and did. Then, I think I was still thinking. Yeah, like, yeah I was like, nobody said anything. Yeah. Okay, well, guess that got shot down. But, yeah, we, I mean, it. she we, she is the goddess of, the halfling goddess of fertility. Right, and, and that was family, kind, that was so kind of the definitely. reason that we threw it in there, because yeah. family, you think of kids growing up and growth and yeah. stuff like that protection. and nurturing and protection and then you have fertility which is like i mean that's very green yeah, that's and very stuff green. yeah so it was it could be she could be multiple things i yeah. guess but she's but got she's green definitely in there. Yeah, green, yeah, yeah yeah green's definitely a big yeah. part so if you're a if your character is a green aligned character your outlook on life um is going to be what very much nature and life and growth and you're going to be the guy who gets mad when the red character cuts down the tree because it's in his way. If yeah, if, if for a, for a bad reason, like yeah. just to just to like ah, uh, like I'm pissed. I'm going to cut down a tree for no reason. <laughs> like Kevin Bacon <laughs> goes and kick yeah. dances in the forest. Yeah, yeah. and so Green Kevin. is the character that that will be like, why did you cut that plant? Why did you? Let's just leave the forest as it is. Yeah. Or you know, when you walk away from the campfire and you leave. Um, you know, a half-eaten rabbit, like just chilling yep. there, like no, no like that. yeah, like you kill that thing, you yeah. you use it, like, and then his buddy Smokey the Bear comes yeah. and says, "Put that fire." Out. <laughs> They're the ones who are always like digging the latrine outside the camp. Gotta bury this when we're done and stuff like that. That being said, they like hunting could be a very huge part of what they do and what they love to do. Like, yeah, it's yep. not an anti-hunting, uh, you know, survival. Like it is a very much a survival like yeah. type of alignment. Right. So that it's would a, be. Um, what green would be. Um, so now we, that we've talked about all of the colors, uh, just m- mono uh, colors, let's talk about um, what if your character is does not fit just one of these? Um, what do you do? Well, the obvious answer when you look at magic cards is multicolored. multicolored. So we're going to talk about like what about multicolored characters, how that works, and I think also keeping it simple to like we've said every character is going to have something of everything but if you're going to do this with your D&D group you don't want a player coming and being like uh I'm red, white, green, blue and black. I'm all of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm all of them. Like but in that order. <laughs> but in that order, yeah. Um so what uh what do we do with multicolored characters? You're choosing what color your characters are. 
Um, and if you're going to go into the territory of more than one color, the best way to do this um, with your players or if you are a player and you're trying to figure it out is uh, going online um, and looking at some sort of magic color pie or magic color chart. Um, so, Mark, you mentioned you could go... Uh, mtgsalvation.com. It might be mtgsalvation.gamepedia, but I'm mm -hmm. sure if you Google it... It'll come up. It'll yeah. show up. Yeah, you yeah. can go um, to the magic wiki. Yeah, that's basically what this is. You could take a magic card, any magic card, that's what I was gonna say. flip it on yeah. the back, and you see and the right colors, there, yeah, yeah. the color wheel. But yeah, so that's the importance of that. If you go to a website and look at it, it's going to break down. A lot of them break down what each color is, so it kind of reminds you. But there's also another importance to it, which, Mark, why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so in Magic, there's allied colors and enemy colors. Um, you're much more likely to find a person, if they're multicolored, in the allied color pair. Um, that being um, white kind of gets along with blue and green. Blue gets along with white and black. Kind of go around the circle, and and you'll see the two colors that are next to your color are your allies, mm -hmm. and the two colors that are opposite yeah, of you are your enemies. It. So you're much more likely to find a person who is white-blue or white-green than you are to find a white-black or a white-red. Yeah. So when you're choosing, like when you're deciding to choose what color you are, I think the first decision is, okay, just asking yourself what color does my character belong to? And if we're going to go into multicolors, I think if you're having that difficulty of choosing one color because you're like, man, I just can't pick between green and white. Like, I am... Like, I just can't pick. That's probably, that's probably because... Yeah, it's probably because you are a multicolored creature that's green and white. But the main point is, like, like we said at the beginning of the pod, like, all creatures, all... Um, players characters are going to be a little bit of every color that's just you know the alignment the way alignment works in general um, but it's picking that majority that main outlook on on life and so uh, that that's a big factor I think most most people when they pick a character I think it's easier to fall into that two color spectrum and I think we all agree that if you're going to use this as an alignment system, that you should have a cap probably at two colors because yeah. if you get if you go more than two colors, then it gets very convoluted and confusing. You don't really have a yeah. clear grasp on at what least two for is. a majority as mm -hmm. your alignment because you can be a little bit of everything at times. It just depends yeah. on the situation, but overall, you should always try to stick to at to two, if not one. Yeah. You know? Once, when you get into three, it just kind of goes, I'll do whatever. Yeah. One Might as well be five at that point. One of the problems with players and DMs in D&D &D sometimes, and I understand sometimes where this is coming from, but going, you are not playing your alignment well. Well, not everybody <laughs> is like this cardboard cutout. And so we're not talking about a new system of alignment, so it can change to, you're not playing your colors well. Right, <laughs> like, right. But, so it's like, yeah, like, like we're saying, everybody's going to have a little bit of every color and put in different situations um, you are going to do different things but it's it's picking those two or one majority colors what you really your character really fits into right um, so besides allied colors uh, there's another set of colors and those are yeah. called mark those are the enemy colors mm -hmm. now not necessarily like all white people 
<laughs> All white aligned hey, creatures. Hey, hey black hey, people. <laughs> hey, black aligned creatures. Um, and red aligned creatures. Oh. It's more so like they don't. Their values clash. Mm-hmm. So when you have a character who's you know black and white, you have this inner turmoil. Unless you can find a resolution for your yeah. character to come through that. Yeah, and and it works sometimes. Sometimes it works yep. great. Sometimes those are the most interesting characters. Uh, that and in Magic, some some of the most interesting ways to play decks. Like yep. uh, my new character that I created for your campaign, Chris. I would say he's a blue red, the yeah. barbarian wizard. Like yeah. that's very much what he is, and he's <laughs> he's intelligent. He's smart. But he also is all about like using that magic to boost him up and then attack in battle. Like right. his mentality out of battle and in battle are completely different. Right. Right. <laughs> Minus when he's drinking. <laughs> Minus when he's drinking. Yeah. Well yeah. then he's ready for battle. So. Well, that's true. <laughs> but he worships Cord and Bokob. That's right. so that's so white red but weird. But yeah, so yeah. it like that kind of thing can be really fun. This just has to work work together. So right. and that being a struggle can be working well together with that. Yep. Um so that's that is our basic rundown of the Magic Color Pie as a new alignment system. So hopefully some of you out there like think this is a good idea and want to try this out with your players. Maybe you have a group of players that are that really love Magic and maybe they hate the alignment system and this is something that they'll be like, I get it. I finally <laughs> I understand, understand it. Wait, <laughs> what do I do with neutral again? Yeah. Wait, yeah. true neutral means that I don't care about anything, right? No, no. Here's a magic <laughs> color pie. And then we've talked about snack time before, but then you can just make a pie of five different colors <laughs> for your snack time. You could. That'd be sweet. Well, I don't know what black pie would taste I don't, like. I don't know what green... Blackberry. Blackberry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so red is obviously Come on, cherry. Blue is obviously blueberry. Black is obviously blackberry. I don't know what... Green would be key lime. What yeah. is white? Peach. Uh, coconut. Coconut. Ap- coconut. coconut. Apple cream. looks white in uh in uh, cream. Yeah. See? Perfect. Um <laughs> take a picture of your magic pie and send it to us. <laughs> and then we'll be extremely jealous and want some. Yep. Alright, let's go to I just feel like it would all melt together. Yeah. Let's oh, go to yeah. uh let's go to the light bulb. All right, so for our light bulb this week, the idea that we're bringing forth to you is the idea of, since we're talking about magic, a deck of arcane cards. Now, I came up with this idea uh, when I played a specific class, an arcane deck user, where uh, they used uh, cards that had spells in them for battle. But I basically made these cards up that I could rifle through during when I played this character and after making it, I was like, man, I'm going to go back to a wizard now. However, I still like these cards. It's way easier than uh, pulling out my computer every single time I need to look up a spell. Now, spells are complicated, so you're going to have to look them up every now and then. But it's nice to have a little written down cue card of everything. Now, you can. this could be as simple as writing them down on notes. But if you have uh, mad Photoshop skills like me and Chris, uh, you can go and make yourself like a nice deck of cards. And you just, uh, you can go online, search for the like typical card size, figure out what it is, size your cards to that size, and then print them out. And then you can throw them into sleeves, maybe buy a cheap deck of like at a dollar store, like 
playing cards and put them in his backs. Like, it can just be a really nice way to uh, keep your spells just nice and simple so that you can just pull them out and go, all right, here's what I'm picking. I think there's actually websites, too, where you can make your own, too. You can upload your own photo, and it'll size it all for you, There you you go. So So you you don't even have to have mad Photoshop skills like me, Chris. You Take can also a lame just way get out. like a shoebox full of magic cards yeah. for a back because those are like what you ten dollars for a thousand. Yeah, Mark, if you're gonna make a thousand spell cards. Yeah, <laughs> you you brought this up and this is kind of what I'm working towards, but uh, that's a great thing for players. However, it's also if if you do take the time to do it, you can also um, have all the spell cards for as a DM. Yeah. One of the most frustrating things as a DM is I love using wizards in battle because players are never knowing what like a orc is going to hit you that's what it's going to do a wizard is always way more scary in my mind as a player because you don't know what the heck they're going to do they could turn you you don't know what they're going to do well the reason I think a lot of people don't use wizards is because you don't want to have to as the DM sit there with your spell book open like figuring out what spell well if you have little cards you can pick the cards before the battle, like pick seven or eight cards that a wizard's going to use, just pull them out, and it just makes it a lot more easy. So, um, arcane deck, um, an arcane spell deck, that is our light bulb of the week. They've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now, let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? Alright, welcome back to another edition of our Mailbag of Holding, the place where we share ideas, stories, and questions from you, our listeners. Uh, We love reading through all of your emails, your tweets, your Facebook messages about just a whole bunch of uh, different things, and this is our place where we get to share some of these. And so, Mitch, do you want to start us out today? Yeah, I have a... Uh, a magical item idea from Stefan, he sent us in, or Steven, I'm not really actually sure. I see the PH and I think Yeah, Stephon, I never know what to think when it's yeah. PH. So yeah. sorry if you're Steven and we said Stefan, or if you're Stefan and we said Steven. Uh, this is from Steven or Stefan, uh, and he came up with this idea for a magical item known as the Necklace of Many Tongues. I love this idea, I really do. I can't wait to use this in a. Oh, I've never seen own. this one, yeah, yeah. This so good. basically, uh, this could be for a, he says, this could be for a dark character or for a character who can't speak a language any other party member can speak. Uh, to make it simple, a necklace of many tongues is a magically endowed necklace uh, that allows the wearer to speak the languages of the tongues attached to it. So when you defeat enemies or whatever it is uh, that your weird character does, you can cut off the tongues of your of your foes, put them on this necklace, and whatever language they can speak, now, if you're wearing this necklace, you can also speak this. <laughs> I really like that idea. It's pretty, like, weird and messed up, but it's really sweet, and yeah. it's a really cool, powerful item. Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, what if you were to cut off, like, a chipmunk's tongue? Could you speak chipmunk tongue? Like, <laughs> right, just like talk like a little critters? Yeah. That'd be an interesting, that's an interesting question. <laughs> yeah, I don't and know. How many, how many tongues fills this up? Like, there's gotta be an amount Is there, of like, ten? Is there, like, five? <laughs> I mean, you just... It's just laced, like, that all the way be, around. That could be up to you as the yeah. DM. Tongue size, like, you got a troll tongue, that's probably going to be pretty big. Yeah, do you need the whole tongue? Three, do you need a piece of the tongue? I mean, three. I guess it's up to you, the DM, to decide, but, yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty... He says, he says, for example, if you uh, come across... It's cool, because I like this example. Basically, not only does this actually help in the sense that you could have a character with this necklace, and it grants you the ability to speak the languages, but what if you come across an enemy or an NPC that you want to talk to and they only speak, you know, a goblin who only speaks goblin, well, you can put this necklace on as long as there's a common 
a tongue that spoke common on there. Now that right. goblin can commune with you in common, which is really, really interesting. Or he could run away with your necklace. Or he could run <laughs> Well, hopefully, if, if you're putting this necklace on him, you've got that goblin pretty right. Uh, right. tied up or something. Right. Uh, but yeah, I really like this idea. I really like this magical item. I'm totally using it in the future. I really like that idea. So, Chris, what do yeah. you have for us? Yeah, we have a question from Friar Took or Tuck. But Friar Took. <laughs> Friar Took, yes. All right, we'll go with that. Uh, he has a question. He is dealing with some players who are really focused on the video game realm. Like, they play Skyrim and a, and a bunch of different RPG video games. And, and he's trying to get them more acclimated to the pen and paper RPGs. And he's having a little bit of a hard time. Uh, and so his question was, to us, what are the best tools a DM has to get people acclimated to D&D and role-playing? Uh, Mitch, do you want to give the first one? Yeah, so we've kind of come up with a, a list of four things that we think really will help a player who is uh, has been focused a lot on video games in the past. Now, this is actually funny. He's, he brought up Skyrim. Uh, our buddy Mark uh, got into the game, and I remember telling him, like, dude, you play Skyrim all the time. you got to play D&D. you got to play D&D. You'd love it. You'd oh, love is that it. how he got into um, it? That's how he got into it. I, so I, I kept telling him, and eventually he came around and he, like, tried it out, and, like, now he loves it, and he, he loves D&D so much. But the first thing that we have on our list kind of goes along with my thinking of uh, Mark during that is lead by example. Uh, that's one of the first things, and I think one of the most important things you can do um, as a DM and other players around the table trying to acclimate somebody who plays a lot of video games into D&D. I remember when Mark first sat down at the table, and I've done this with a couple players who've never played D&D before. Uh, before I start off, I'm just like, all right, here's my disclaimer. Uh, in any second now, I'm going to break into weird voices. I'm going to play music as we're doing battle. All the players on the table are going to get really into what they're doing. Yeah. And the easiest way for you to f have fun right now is to just look at how ridiculous we're being and just, and just be just us. be okay with it yeah. because that's a and and that doesn't mean that every player is going to want to use voices. Like I know there's people who don't like using voices. We have some players who don't like to use voices. Uh, that being said, like. Uh, just lead by example. Show them how fun role playing can be. Uh, that is, I think, one of the most powerful ways to yeah. get them interested into playing. Yeah, it game. might be weird for them the first one, two, three it times. Totally to do it totally the first time. Like I remember the first D &D, time. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's and so I like to always lead with that disclaimer yeah. at the beginning, like, "Oh, we are going to get weird. Yeah. <laughs> like this is going to be weird. We love this game. We're going to be really into it." Yep. And yeah, it's it's weird the first time you play, so you need to just be able to just go whatever, and it's funny. It's it's a great time. So yeah, I think the next one, number two, would be give them opportunities to actually role play. Uh, I know in in video games a lot, it's there's at least what I do is you come up to a point where it's like you're you're talking with the guy about the next quest, and I'm just clicking A as fast as I can to get through it. So I get the little marker and I go kill who I need to go kill. Uh, I think. The difference between video game mentality and RPG, like like pen and paper RPG, is there has to be some moment in time where you give them something to do that isn't simply combat based, and that can be a, a variety of different things. That can be if your character uh, would participate in a specific festival of a city, you create a festival that they would love to be a part of. Uh, you give them opportunities to go and gamble. You give them opportunities to talk with with innkeepers and, and, and things like that, that's going to make them get into their character more than simply accepting a quest, going and doing it, getting paid for it. Uh, Mitch, do you have anything you want to add to that section of it? 
No, I think that's good. Uh, moving on to the third one, uh, we have character creation, basically. So, uh, once again, I'll bring up Skyrim. Uh, lots of games like this in Skyrim. My favorite video games are the ones where you get to create your own character, yeah. uh, create the look, create the skill set. Like, And one of the best parts about that is the replay value, which anybody listening to this podcast knows, Dungeons & Dragons has a replay value that never ends. Right. <laughs> That's one right. of the amazing things about this game. And so if you have a player who's... Uh, enjoyed video games for a long time, especially like a Skyrim type game. Uh, it, when they're doing the character creation, like explain to it, uh, it to them, like how this is in a sense you're creating the character. You get to create their physical appearance, yep. their skill set, their class. Uh, but you're going even further because now you're getting to really work on their personality, their quirks, uh, their deities that they worship. Uh, all of these, their, mor- their morality, their right. alignment, you get to work on all those things that are really not a lot of times emphasized in a video game, uh, but are, pro- are probably the best part yeah. about the role-playing game. Right. And so work with them on that. I would also say with the character creation, uh, make sure that you do work with them on the character creation because there is nothing that can I think that can be a bigger detriment to turning people away from uh, D&D than trying to make their characters by themselves the first time. Yeah. And you should also, I would always suggest, uh, create a pretty simplistic first character because character creation takes a pretty long time. If you don't understand what you're going to be doing, if you don't understand the game that you're going to be playing in, it's pretty awful to sit there and be like, we're still making this character? It's right. been an hour. And it can really turn people off. So work with them on it. Yeah. Uh, real, like, I've even asked players before, I'm like, do you want me to make you a character? Is that what you'd like? You could tell me what you want, and I'll make that character up right. for you. And the first time, I'll do that for the for a player, because I want them to try out the game itself. Right. If they really get into character creation like for themselves later, that's great. But the first time, I'll make a character for a player, just so they yeah. can play the actual game. Yep. I think the last thing, and this is huge, because encouragement can go a long way, be encouraging, not discouraging. Yeah. If they do something awesome, really encourage them on that. Like, say, dude, that was... That was awesome that you just did that. Like, be be really, really encouraging on the moments when they actually do role play, because that'll help solidify and emphasize that role playing is important. That you can have a ton of fun role playing. And don't, yeah, like, and be that way for all of your players that are around the table. You're right. the DM. You really are the person running the game. Don't let other players also bring that person down if they're just trying the game out and really just trying to figure out. Uh, don't get hung up and be like, your character wouldn't do that with your alignment and blah, 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 or that's not a thing that somebody of your class would do. Like, let them role play for the first game. Let them work it out. Right. And then, you know, have those kind of discussions in a good way later. Don't, definitely don't discourage and bring them down when they're really just trying it out for the first time and playing right. and learning how to role play. Yep. Encourage them. Build them up. Be like, that was awesome. That was so cool what you just did. Like, yeah, encouragement can go a long way. Yeah. Yep. So those are our four ideas for you, Friar Took. Uh, I hope that you enjoy those. And, and anybody else that's struggling or or working with people that are in the video game mentality, trying to get them over to the, the world of Dungeons & Dragons or whatever RPG you're playing. Hope those help out. Uh, and that's all we have for you today on the, the Mailbag of Holding. So that's all we have for you today on the Dungeon Master's Block. Hope that you enjoyed our second episode of Bringing the Magic of Magic to D&D. 
uh, Chris, why don't you tell us where if people want to get in touch with us, they can get in touch with us. Yeah, uh, you can start out by emailing us. Uh, I do a lot of the emails, and it's been really fun to interact with all of you, and so keep them coming. Uh, you can email us at DungeonMasterBlock, that's without an S on the end of master, DungeonMasterBlock at gmail.com. You can also, if you would so kindly, we would greatly appreciate it. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Send us a little shout-out and love on there. That would be awesome. You can subscribe to us there as well to listen to more episodes, get them right on your phone when they come out. And also, we're on Stitcher now. And I've heard it's a really good program. I've never used it for anything. Because we use iTunes. (laughs) Yeah, because we we use iTunes for a lot of stuff. But I hear Stitcher is really good. So if you use Stitcher, you can get us on there now, too, as well. Chris, you shouldn't tell them what to like. give us a star rating on iTunes. They should give us what we deserve. Which is five stars. So uh, you should also uh, follow us on Twitter um, at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block on Twitter. Uh, we have memes. We have great things. Uh, we've got this pretty much rehearsed now. Everything we say. Oh, but, like, yeah. It's we have a jolly old time on Twitter. So something that's not rehearsed. You can follow us on Google Plus now too. Oh my god, we are on there. <laughs> what do they search for on Google Plus? If they're one of the weird people, uh, on Google Plus. DM Chris, DM Mitch. Oh, okay. Wow, that's co- this is getting complicated. Yeah, <laughs> I might change it now. <laughs> um, DMS underscore block for Twitter. Um, also, like our Facebook page. We've gotten some activity this week. That was pretty cool. We got our first comment on our uh, much neglected Facebook page. So head over there, show us some love on Facebook. But anyway, that is it for this week's episode um, of the Dungeon Masters Block the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of everyone at the table. Keep on Dungeon Mastering. See you later. Goodbye.